Well, this morning we're going to start a new series, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pumped. And the series that we're going to do, it's Reignite. Reignite your dreams. We need to reignite those dreams, those passions, and, and I want to challenge you to dream. I want to challenge you to do this because dreams spark life. And what dreams will do, it'll give you a purpose to live. Without a dream, you have no purpose. You kind of walk around aimlessly because you have no target, nothing you're really shooting for. If you're not shooting for anything, you're just going to, you, you, you kind of get in the doldrums. You, you, you just, you get bored. You stop going to church, you stop serving God, you start trying to find something. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, that's the truth. Because you're looking for something, and what you're really looking for is you're looking for what God has for you to dream. The Message Bible says this in, in Proverbs 29, 18. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So in other words, when we can't see what God is doing, we're clueless and we end up in chaos. It goes on to say, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So when you follow what God shows you, or put it this way, when you dream big dreams, you have purpose, you have direction, and because you have purpose and direction, God will fulfill those dreams that you have. That's where it means if you attend to them, you're blessed. He fulfills those. But you have to go for it. You have to go for it with everything that you have. God wants to fulfill not only your spiritual dreams, he wants to fulfill your natural dreams as long as they're not immoral, unethical, ungodly. So if you want have some natural dreams and, and, and you, you say, well, you know, I don't just know, you know, I don't want to be about myself. Listen, <coughs> God knows that. He knows if you're about yourself or not. He already knows that. Matter of fact, I remember years ago, it's been a while since I told this story, but I was, I was in my house, or I was, actually I was living with my mother-in-law, it was my mother-in-law's house, and uh, she's here this morning, and, uh, but anyways, it's in, we live in Southern California, and we're, I was at her house, and I was laying on the bed in, in the room, and the San Francisco 49ers were playing, it was a Saturday game, it was a wild card game, it was in the 90s, and all of a sudden, the, the room got hazy, like it was a fog, just everywhere. And I saw myself preaching to like hundreds and thousands of people. Well, all of a sudden, I got real Pentecostal. I jumped up. I bind you, devil, because I thought I was getting, getting into pride. And so I felt good about it. I didn't say anything, but I went to church the next day. My spiritual mom, Betty Connors, she used to run with a lady named Amy Simple McPherson. Some of you might know her from church history. She's the founder of the Four Square Pentecostal Church in 1923. And she's seen some wild things in her time. It's all recorded historically. And so she walks up to me and my pastor at the time, Mike Hibbard. She grabs his hand. She grabs my hand. And she looks at me. She said, honey, she said, I've known some things for you, about you for about the last three years. But God told me not to tell you because you'll get a big head. Your head will blow up. She was exactly right. That's why I was binding the devil, right? I knew that. Well, so did God, right? She said, but God showed me something at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when the game was playing. She said, I saw you on a platform, and you were ministering to hundreds and thousands of people. 
and Leah was out there laying hands on people, and people were getting healed. Now, I didn't see that part of it. Maybe that that was my pride because I just wanted to see me. I don't know. But the thing of it was, it made me realize that the devil is not going to lift you up with a vision of ministering to people and getting them born again. You know? Now, you might lift yourself up there by watching people on television saying, oh, I'm going to be like Mike. <laughs> oh, oh, there, I'm going to be like Jesse Duplantis. I'm going to be like Joyce Meyer. No, I'm not going to be like Joyce Meyer. You know, she's a nice lady. She ministers well, but I do not look good in heels and hose. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, well, I don't think so. So anyway, um, around 2001, we were in uh, Whitfield, Virginia, December the 14th, 2001 is when we actually moved there. So I'm going to say this was actually 2002, the beginning of 2002. I had a calendar for that year, 2002 Harley-Davidson calendar. And I looked at that calendar, and I saw this bike. And the motorcycle, (coughs) it was a road king. And I looked at that motorcycle. I said, you know what? I want one of those. And I cut the picture out, and I put it on our bedroom wall, and and I'm looking at that thing, and I'm thanking God for it, and I'm praying about it. and, And to be honest with you, never really thought I would ever really have, in the back of my mind, a road king. And then finally one day, what happened was, we ended up with a Suzuki Boulevard. Now, I'm going to tell you, that is not a Harley Davidson. They don't sound the same. They don't ride the same. They don't cost the same. I mean, there's a whole lot of not the same about it. They look cool. And what we did is we started riding. Well, we took this one ride to go see Joyce Myers in Raleigh, and we rode with John and Michelle Penton. Took us seven hours. And I'm going to just tell you, it was seven hours of H-E double hockey stick. The first hour was fine. But then after that, you know, ooh, you know. I mean, Willie Nelson might want to get on the road again, but I didn't. I wanted nothing to do with it. So we stopped off at, I don't forget, Walmart, Kmart, one of those marts, you know. And uh, we got a couple pillows. We thought, we thought that was going to help. Not. Nah, I mean, it didn't help at all. So needless to say, I quit riding long distances with that motorcycle. And so what happened was, one, one evening, I walked up to Leah, because I had been thinking for a while. I thought, you know, she might like to ride on a Goldwing, because those are nice, comfortable motorcycles. So I mentioned that to her. She said, absolutely not, looking at her. She said, a Honda's not on my bucket list. I don't want to get in front of God and say I had a Honda. We, she said, I want to be on a Harley. I said, that's my woman. <laughs> you know? So I started looking for Harleys, and I found a really, really, really good deal. And we had to go out to North Carolina, Charlotte, to get it, and, and we did. And I rode it back. I rode it from Charlotte back here, and, I mean, I had a big smile on my face because my face felt good. Butt felt good. I mean, everything felt good. I felt good on the inside. I mean, I'm riding a Harley, you know, yeah, baby. You know, but the point that I'm trying to get at is it was a dream. And I tapped into God in the dream. And that's what we need to do is we need to be tapping into God when we dream. Most people end up abandoning their dreams, letting their dreams go. And I'm going to tell you, that's a big mistake. 
Because write this down. This will be in your notes. Dreams are the language of God. What? Is that in the Bible? Yeah, and I'll show it to you in a minute. God talks to us all the time in dreams. And the reason why he talks to us in dreams is he wants to lift the limitations of the earth, of this realm, off. See, the thing of it is, is, is you're limited by gravity to be on this earth where you can't fly. But when you're dreaming, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, I don't know if you all float in your dreams, but I've flown in mine. You know, but you can't do that. So what he wants to do is he wants to lift the limitations off by giving you dreams. He speaks to you with dreams because it's in the supernatural. And then what he does is he gives you a picture so you have something to connect your faith to. Faith has to be connected to something. Acts 2.17. In the last days, are we in the last days? Okay. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, I was in a prayer meeting some years ago in California. It was back right before I went to Rama, And I was in this prayer meeting. It was with John and Dana Roman. And we were about ready to minister at Angelus Temple, which is Amy Simple McPherson's church that she founded. And I mean, I'm like, ooh, I'm all excited. Well, we're in this prayer meeting, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm seeking the Lord. And then I, it's like I saw this, this, this dove, or these two huge doves, and and then it's like they exploded and all these doves just, I couldn't, they were countless. I'm like, what's that about? You know, I mean, I wasn't sleeping, dreaming. I mean, I was visualizing this and I, I was seeing it. And this is the way God explained it to me. He explained to me, he said, he said the era of the reign of the large ministers are coming to an end because I'm pouring my spirit out on all flesh. And I thought, does that mean they're not going to be ministers anymore? No. It just means that we're not going to be focused on one ministry or two. We're going to be focused on everything that God's doing because he's doing it around the earth. Now, he spoke this to me about 20 years ago, and, and I haven't seen it really in its full manifestation yet, but you know what? We're 20 years closer. And, I, and, and 20 years, 20 seconds to God, it's all the same. Now, 20 years, 20 seconds to us is, is way different because we're limited and we're restricted by time. God is outside of the realm of time. Amen? All right. He said, it goes on to say, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. All three of these are pictures of things that have not happened yet. That's how God likes to speak to his people. He wants to navigate his church in this manner. Matter of fact, the next, next message in this series, I'm going to start talking about and teaching how to hear the voice of God. Because so many people have a hard time knowing, is it me, is it God, or is it the devil? And I'll tell you what, he said, my sheep hear my voice, and another they don't follow. And so, to me, the reason why we're confused is because we've been so long listening to that other voice. But once we start closing down the chatterbox, start focusing that mind on what needs to be focused on, then all of a sudden things become crystal clear. So number one, we said dreams are a language of the Spirit, and that's how He speaks to us. The next one is this. Dreams are the target of your faith. 
See, faith has to have an object attached to it, something that hasn't happened yet. It has to be attached to your faith. So without it having a target, what to believe for, you have no faith. As a matter of fact, the, the, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Because the things not seen need to have something to hope for. And faith has to have something to hope Faith has to touch, uh, get into that uh, object of hoping for, which is not wishing. Matter of fact, in the Greek, that word means confident expectation of the good. So faith, when you have faith, when you truly believe, you confidently expect the good is going to happen even though you haven't seen it yet. You get that? That's what faith is. As, as a matter of fact, when you get into this, all of a sudden, things start changing. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see, just, just think, random acts of kindness, just think, if the church started going out and filling up people's gas tanks and, and buying people's lunches in restaurants, people they don't even know, saying, hey, the next 10 people, here, here's $100, How, however far that's going to go in the, in the McDonald's line. Here, here it is. Let's, let, man, here's $1,000, however far that's going to go, whatever, right? And you're like, Pastor, what's that, what's, that, what's that all about? That's one of my dreams. I'm expecting that to happen. I'm expecting the church to move into a direction not to promote themselves, but to promote God in such a way just to be randomly kind. Not to say, hey, uh, tell them this $100 was to invite them to Thrive Church. No. Just tell them Jesus loves them. If we dare to trust God, he will lead the people here. Come on, dare to dream. You know, what would it be like if all of Greenville got saved? That's one of my dreams. See, I'm not here because I'm trying to find a job to be a pastor. I'm here because God called me from Southern California and said, y'all needed some help. And so I came here and said, da 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 right? And I didn't come here thinking I was John Wayne or anybody like that. I came here saying I can motivate some people and we can do this together. Because I can do nothing alone, and either can you, but together we can take Greenville. Together we can fill up the church down the road. Matter of fact, when we pray, we should be praying for the church down the road. We should be praying for the church next door. Not just Thrive. Let we, yeah, let's pray for Thrive, but we need to be praying for the body of Christ. That's good right there. So, number one, dreams are the language of the Spirit. Number two, dreams are the target of your faith. Number three, dreams have a habit of coming true. They do. As a matter of fact, if you really think about it, how this country was founded, the Second Congress, 56 men came together and signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th, uh, 1776. They had a dream. And, and what this was to do, this, this declaration was to explain the separation between Britain and the United States. They had a dream. Matter of fact, they were coming up against a giant, a great giant, with full military power, with all kinds of finances, with everything. You know, I mean, the, the, the song back in the, yeah, Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. In other words, they were saying they ruled the world. 
And by and large, they kind of did. But some people came together and they said, you know what, we want to have freedom of religion. So any politician out there is doing freedom from religion in school, in state, in all those things is against what our forefathers and what the dream of this nation is about. They couldn't do it without God and either can we. I don't know, I better stop there because I'll get a little. But, you know, the point is this, is they never gave up. They never gave up. When everything looked bad, I mean, every battle they were in, they should have lost. But they never gave up. As a matter of fact, I believe God gave them vision on how to stay alive. Don't stand up there like all these guys and do shot for shot because there's a whole lot more of them than you. Learn to run and hide. Muhammad Ali knew how to do that. You know, he, whoo, whoo, you know, he, he was the king of the backup. He didn't stand there toe-to-toe, but I'll tell you what, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, he was a bad joker, man. He, he knocked a joker out. He, he was. He was, I mean, my goodness. But what happened was is, is this. He had a dream. He had a dream of being the best boxer. These 56 men had a dream of a country where they can have freedom to worship their God. So I'm going to tell you, nothing is impossible with God. Everything is possible. Don't allow your circumstances to get between you and your dreams. Don't allow people to convince you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not old enough, you're not strong enough, you're not rich enough. Enough is enough. Don't let them convince you of that. That's That's a lie. There's nothing impossible. And here's three things that can stop your dreams. Number one. A wrong view of life. For a lot of people, life in itself becomes a distraction. What do you mean? All right, well, I opened up politics, so let's start there. If you're wrapped up in your Republican Party, life has got you wrapped up. If you're wrapped up in your Democrat Party, life has got you wrapped up. If you're wrapped up in politics at all, because you know what? God's still on the throne. I've been saying this and saying, I, I don't care that Trump's in office. I don't care that Obama was in office. I don't care that Bush was in office. I don't care. I don't care. What I would care about is if God wasn't in office. Because that's when I'm in trouble. But life, and I, and I, I just use politics, but it could be sports. You, you throw anything you want, anything that is consuming you above God. Amen? All right. So what happens is, you need, or what, what you need to do is you need to get your eyes on something bigger than your problems. And the only thing I know that's bigger than your problems is our God. Number two, a wrong view of self. Now, if you want God to pull you out of your mess that you're in, start looking at yourself the way God looks at you. Because if you look at yourself for what you and what you did, you're always going to stay in your mess. But if you look at yourself in what Jesus and Jesus did, you come out of your mess because Jesus paid it all. He took it all for you. 100%. It's not based upon my works of righteousness. It's by his grace, his divine favor, or his ability alone. I had nothing to do with it. 
The only thing I had to do with it was say, thank you. And be very grateful for what he's done. Amen? I mean, that's, that's good right there. So what we have to do is we have to get God's picture for our life and not follow life's script for our life. Because life wants to lead you down a path that's going to destroy you. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, um, I was running for the commissioner of athletics for the uh, school. I wanted to uh, be on this, this thing because I just thought it was cool because you got to speak on the speaker to all the classrooms and stuff. I just thought it was the coolest thing. But I hated to speak in front of people. So I was running against a guy, Fred Clark, and uh, we were both pretty popular. He was probably more popular. Um, not better looking, though. Anyway, anyway, I'm just kidding. So he was probably more popular, and so I was scared. My grandmother helped me write a speech and, you know, had stuff like, it would be my first trust and obligation. You know, I mean, in the eighth grade, right? So, uh, so I had this speech written. I was on the school bus, and I knew that we were about ready to go into the auditorium, and, and, and I'm going to have to give this speech. So lo and behold, I had some sickness. I don't even know what it was. Came upon me. I couldn't talk anymore. They had to carry me to the nurse's office. After that assembly and everything happened, lo and behold, God healed me. But needless to say, had I allowed life's script to define me, I wouldn't be the pastor I am today. I had to dare to believe. I had to dare to dream. I had to dare to trust that it's God's ability in me doing the work. Amen? Now, number three, and this is our last point right here, a wrong view of God. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. There's nothing impossible with God. God is more than enough. God is the one, right? He's the one who won't let the weapon form against you prosper. He's the one. We have a wrong view of God. You know what we have? the view of God we have is, God's going to get you for that. Well, he did. It was 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. He got you. And how did he get you? He paid the price in full, so you don't have to pay for it. All you have to do is accept it. Because it says while we were sin, while we were sinners, while we were against him, while we were his enemies, he loved us in that state so much, his son came down here and died and paid the full price for you and I. Woo, come on, glory to God. That's good preaching. Thank you. That was good preaching. Amen. 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 All right. But see, that's the deal is, is we have to understand this stuff, right? I mean, God, and if God's for you, who's against you, right? Shoot. Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. What? Nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing is too hard for our God. Nothing. Not one thing, nothing is too hard for God. So when you pray, remember that. <coughs> when your problems, when your circumstance, when everything looks like it's against you, I want you to remember that. Nothing is impossible. If you had a bad day, you had a bad week, had a bad whatever, hey, look, it's over with. Go, ba go back to God. Go, ba go back to the drawing board. Go back to the one who created you and allow him to help you through this. At the end of this series, what we're going to do is we're going to all pray. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray for God-honoring dreams. 
And that's what we're going to pray for. Because we want to honor God with the dreams that he's given us. A God dream, write this down, will seem risky. You know, that's true. Do you know, successful people, let's even take this outside of God, people that are worldly, successful people, they all take risks. If they didn't take risks, they wouldn't be successful. And the thing of it is, is most of the church is like that evil servant who took the talent and hid it because they wouldn't take risks. Lord, I knew you were going to be a hard God. I knew, so you know what? I, I still got what you gave me. No, take risks. What do you mean, pastor, take risks? When you get a dream from God, take a risk and step out on it. When you have, when you have it in your mind or, or whatever, and, you, and all of a sudden you think that, hey, look, maybe this person needs it. Tell somebody Jesus loves them. Take a risk. Take a risk and say, hey, can I pray for you today? I noticed that. Take a risk. You won't believe the stuff that you're going to see the people you're going to minister to, where the Lord's going to put you. I, I, and I know I've said this before, and this is just, to me, it's one of these just great stories that you just, it still blows me away today. And, and most of you know, but there's a lot of new people here. But years ago, uh, my oldest daughter, Brittany, she was in a missionette program in another church because we didn't have it in our church. And before she was in that missionette program, I spoke to a young lady who was on methamphetamines uh, in a parking lot at a school when Brittany was about, I don't know, kindergarten or first grade. You know, she was, she was pretty young. And I just knew this, this lady was jacked up. And so I started talking to her about God. And I told her about my life and where I came from and, and, and everything. And now I didn't lead her to Christ right there, there or anything, but I, I said something. That's kind of risky, right? Because I put myself out there. Well, few years later, you know, Brittany ends up in this missionette program, and in the missionette program, uh, we go to the spaghetti dinner, and the spaghetti dinner, I go over there, you know, I had my little cool glasses on, because I love to wear sunglasses all the time, and so uh, all of a sudden, this lady comes up, Rick, Rick, is that you, is that you? I looked over, I said, hey, Ricky, I said, how are you doing? She looked really good, she didn't look all like a fishbowl, all sucked in and everything, you know, you could tell that something changed in her life, and she said, yeah, she said, that day that you spoke to me, she said, that day I gave my life to Christ. She said, not only did I give my life to Christ, she said, I led my husband to Christ, and they both used to do drugs. She said, not only that, she said, see that man over there? That's my husband. He's the Royal Rangers leader. And she goes, and I'm your daughter's missionette teacher. You never know until you take a risk. So it's going to be risky. We have to, we have to do this. But an God-honoring dream, it takes faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, it says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those. He what? He rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the only way we could please him is by taking a risk. It's by faith. The next one here is a God dream will require God's involvement. Ephesians 3.20 says this. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly or immeasurably more than, we, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. 
So he does immeasurably more, more than we can even comprehend, more than we can imagine. He does, he does more than. Why? Because God's more than enough. Well, what does that bring me to? It brings me to this. God's dream will change lives. God's dream will change lives. That's the heart and passion of God. The heart and passion is to change lives. God doesn't just want your life changed. He wants other people's lives changed. As a matter of fact, your life is not about your job, and your life is not about your paycheck. What your life is about is your life is about crossing paths with other people and having an impact on their lives. That's what life is about. My greatest joy is not being called the pastor of the church. My greatest joy is when I watch somebody come in and maybe something I've said, something I've done, and over a period of time, I watch and I see their lives change. My greatest joy is watching the change and knowing I had some impact on a life. And really, that's what we're called to do. That's what God has has designed us for. As a matter of fact, God designed us to do something before he created us. He had a specific design for you before he created you. You know that? I mean, and that's amazing in itself. So he designed you for a specific thing. Your entire life is trying to push you to that thing he's called you to do. And if you take a look at that and you start, okay, what, where's my passions at? Where's this at? Where's that at? Don't give up on your dreams. Don't abandon them. Reignite them. Rekindle them. Kim, there were things that were said to you years ago. You had passions years ago. And you probably let some things go because, my goodness, we're getting older. And we just haven't seen this stuff happen like it was supposed to happen. But I still believe, even though that, that, that I had that vision uh, about 24 years ago, even though I had that vision about ministering to hundreds of thousands of people, I have not given up on that dream. I might not be doing it right now physically, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to because I'm connected with the people that can actually make that happen right now. I've been connected with them for years. See, God sets up connections along the way. So don't allow the things that have been hindering you, that keep you, don't allow that to happen. You complete and you fulfill those dreams because I know you, Kim. You have much more in you than you realize. Stop comparing yourself to anybody else because you are a jewel. Amen. No, that was not in my notes. I was looking. He's going back to his notes. He's going to call somebody else. Huh? Reignite your dream. Stir it back up. Watch God carry it out. I'm going to read this scripture. I want you to, matter of fact, you guys have the message Bible on there? Can you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12? I want to take a look at that real fast. God's plan right here. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up so long before way before he had a plan way before he already had a plan what was his plan he had his eye on us had designs on us for glorious living long before 
You were created for this generation at this time to do great things for Christ Jesus. You weren't created to be beat down by a pastor. You were not be created to be beat down by the world. You were not created to be beat down by God. You're created to glorify him in everything you say and everything that you do. Amen? Well, glory to God. Father, I just pray right now for everybody here under the sound of my voice. I pray that we reignite our passions and our dream again. Father, I pray that your church, not just thrive locally, but your church, your kingdom, that not only it come, but your kingdom grows, that many, many, many people give their lives to Christ Jesus during the time of your coming. In Jesus' name.